Hey, hey, hey! Welcome all you Courageous Cause Champions! Today's the day to act courageously. I'm Lainey Friedrich and this is episode 40 of the Couch to 5A podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. I've got Asa Kaplan here. Hi, Asa! Hi, how you doing? Good, great. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. For sure. I, yeah, this is I, podcast 40. That's great that you've gotten so far. I know. Thank you. <laughs> and the listeners don't know, but I'll share that we had, I, had a, I had a little technical uh, glitch right at the beginning. So that's, that's the beauty of doing this over and over again is you just get, you work through the bugs and it gets better and better every time, <laughs> as with most things in life. <laughs> Well, I wanted to share with the listeners how you and I crossed paths. You and I don't know each other other than I had posted on um, the Indivisible Facebook group in my area for my district. Um, I posted this question to the people in the group. What's the greatest benefit to you personally from getting involved with a cause that is important to you? And Asa's reply was just, so moving to me. He said, for me, authenticity is chicken soup for the soul. And you um, included this graphic that had three um, little, I guess, graphics within it. One of them says, hard times arouse an indistinctive, uh, instinctive desire for authenticity. Your relationship with your authentic self is determined by the alignment of your integrity and actions. And then integrity is a life where your beliefs and intentions are aligned with your words and actions. And I posted back that I was just so moved by that. And you replied that it's a privilege to live from values. And if we don't, we owe it, if we don't owe it to ourselves, then we certainly owe it to those who can't afford to. And that just, I'm going to say that again, because that really settled into my soul. It's a privilege to live from values. And if we don't owe it to ourselves, then we certainly owe it to those who can't afford to. And, and so that's when I reached out to Asa and asked him if he would be on the podcast because I thought, you know what, this is a, a very profound perspective and I wanted to know more about you and about your advocacy and the things that um, you, were, you know, are fired up about, you're passionate about, you're making a difference in the world, trying to win for your cause. And when I looked out on your website, I mean your Facebook page, and I saw that you managed the Facebook for the Facebook group for the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, I was I was completely blown away because I have volunteered for the last year and a half with Voters Not Politicians to help end gerrymandering here in Michigan. Awesome. And thank you. It's, it's been a wonderful experience, and I've a couple of episodes about you know how I fell in love with. Um, voters not politicians and I told everybody that would anybody who knows me knows that I kept saying after I get done with volunteering with this the next thing I want to volunteer on is getting rid of the electoral college and then people would mention to me they're like check out this national popular vote blah 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 and I could never remember (laughs) the rest (laughs) of the words and I was like okay 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 I'll check it out and I haven't. And so when I saw that on here that you managed their Facebook um, page, I just, I thought, you know, first of all, what a beautiful perspective you have about getting involved in authenticity. And I hope that you will share with us, you know, how that's probably a very, very long story of how that um, 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 manifests itself in your life. But also, especially share with us um, how you got involved with the national popular vote and what we can do. Give us a call to action um, about getting involved with that movement. I think it's so powerful. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, and I appreciate folks who resonate with the you know the kind of perspective that I take, which is very it's very heart centered. Like I I feel that I must do this. This is what my values mean, and I have to go out there and live my values. Um, and so when I when someone you know reflects back that that really works for them and makes sense to them, it's really important to connect and to to tell each other what that means to each other and to to hear it and to gain strength from that and right and confidence and and be able to move forward with action. There's this great um, 
old value from, from the old Vedic texts in long ago India called Satyam. And Satyam is when your words and your thoughts and your actions and your values are aligned. And it's such a simple concept. Like as soon as, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, that's what this should be about. So um, I, I didn't start with that word and then try to build a life from it. I, you know, instinctively was trying to live a life that made sense and felt, I don't know, not, not turbulent, just felt like it was aligned. Uh, mm-hmm. and I can say more about that, but um, more and more, the more I tried to live that, the more I would come into contact with people who also were living their values. And right, that's, life starts to get more, more and more rich when you meet people who you're aligned with and who are, who are living out what they believe in. Um, oh, what, whatever that means to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's 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 that part. And then, I think from there, when when living your values uh, is sort of the mantra or like the the guide the the guidepost, then the next distinction I started to draw was um, what an activist is, and the, the way I think about it is, I'm not a pessimist and I'm not an optimist. Because both of those people think that the world is going to do whatever it's going to do. Maybe the world's going to get better without taking any action. Let's wait and see. And I think that those are both forms of being passive. And <clears throat> if you believe that the world gets better only when people take action, then that's activism. And that's, I don't consider myself an activist in any other sense uh, than that. I'm, I believe and I act out that we need to, to take actions to make the world better and well, even to keep it from getting worse, because that is what a lot of systems <laughs> right. will make it. Will not, right? That's what systems do. So we have to be out there taking actions, and that's activism. Um, so I know a lot of your listeners uh, uh, maybe are in their hearts uh, or in their minds in a place where they know what they believe and they, they, they know that things should be different, and then it's like, okay, wh- whatever action is appropriate, let's go take it, and that can that's as... It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. It's so fearful for so many people. I'm finding, though, I'm discovering, you know, in teaching these courses to people. Why do you think? Why do you think some people have have a fear about that, and others um, run headlong into it? Um, you know, with with maybe more. I don't know even if confidence is the word, but just more um, determination to do it. You know. Right. I think all of us have that determination within us and that confidence and that fire. Uh, I think depending on where we come from, we just have more sort of more layers or more obstacles between us and that, that sort of clear immediacy of taking action. And that's not a bad thing. Like you come from where you come from. Um, and if you, if you got to be working three jobs to make ends meet, I don't expect you to be out there marching every day. It doesn't, that's not, that's not your role in this. Um, and if you are in a family where people will cast you out if they hear you've been doing something politically, I hear you. You have to like seriously consider you know, what, what your values are. Is your family the most valuable thing in your life? Well, then you've got to make that choice. And right. you know, the, the, then there's other folks who you know, come from a background where their family has been social justice oriented for three generations, and it was very straightforward for them to come into it. And, you know, my story is I was sort of an uh, apolitical agnostic scientist and then sort of started to see things a little bit more clearly and didn't have a ton of obstacles and was able to sort of step into things a little bit. And everyone has their own path. Um, I I, I think the the real challenge when we are confronted with these obstacles and those obstacles take the form of people in our life, um, you know, our church, our family, um, our peers, our, our workplace, if those are the challenge, well, we can have a conversation and say, hey, can we step out of this for a second? I want to talk about something that's important to me and what it means to me. And then can we figure out how I can take actions that matter to me and how you can respect that and how we can stay connected? I know it's not always that easy, and a lot of people are not <laughs> right. up for saying yes to that. Right, right. I'm not pretending right. that's a simple thing to do, but I, I think if we don't do that, then we'll never break through to taking actions that matter for us. And that's, I don't, 
I, that's not that's not the greatest tragedy in life, but it's it's I think it's within reach for everyone. So I, I encourage everyone always to just give it um, give it a chance and be brave, be, be be brave be brave once in that moment, and then see if that can lead to bravery from the other person and from more from yourself. Because let's let's give it a try. Yeah, because don't you find that when you step into that that action step of of talking to someone, it, if it's really authentic, if you're coming from your own authenticity, it just grounds you. Like you get grounded into this place of strength that I have found I didn't even realize I had. You know, because I think you're tapping into this deep, deep truth that is, um, you know, beyond our physical presence. I'm I'm with you 100. percent I uh, speaking speaking my truth, and that sounds like a sort of I don't know a pie in the sky phrase. Um, is something that I didn't I had no idea how powerful that was uh, until I had to do it as part of the the work um, for the Obama campaign back in 2008, and all of the organizers that that worked on that campaign in every county in the nation had to go through this training of okay, here's what organizing looks like. You sit down with someone and you tell your story and then you hear them tell their story and you really put yourself out there and lay it out for them. And that is where real bonds come from and real organizing strength comes from. Uh, and at the time I was like, oh, okay. And then you do it in action and you see it and you feel it. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that perspective, which I'm sure that that's been an organizing principle for many, many, many decades. i just was not in that world and so I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I'm grateful that they were in a position to do the training and that they took it upon themselves and, and made that happen. You know, regardless of the outcome of the election, that's just such a powerful tool. Um, and I really, I, my greatest wish is for everyone to have that, um, to take on that, that mindset of the organizer uh, for whoever, whatever community you're in or wh whoever you're connected to is if we all decided to be to sort of lead in our own little thing, um, we bring in the people around us and we make big change. But that's a, that's a big step for people to take. So, you know, just getting active is the first step. Right, because it sounded like the first step that you took was connect with like-minded people who all wanted to get Obama elected, and and they they provided the training. But you took that first step because you were passionate about. I want to make sure Obama, I do whatever I can to make sure Obama wins, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that wasn't particularly about Barack Obama. It was about uh, uh, a chance for the, um, for government accountability to, to sort of return after what I saw as many years of no accountability. And, you know, whether that happened or not, we can talk about it as a separate topic. But the, I really wanted to make sure that I didn't miss that chance to help make accountability a reality. So that's 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 why I took that first step. And like you say, that's what it took. And then the rest was just rolled on from there. Right. There was that need in you to say, I I have this authentic desire for this country's politics to look differently. Right. Is that what I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And for um, I'll give you an example. Uh, during the George W. Bush administration, the um, the Secretary of the Interior came out with this new policy of uh, what's best for the health of our national forests. And part of what was in the report was we need to clear cut them every once in a while. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and as, like I, I was a biologist in grad school at the time, and I'm like, oh gosh, things are worse than I realized. There's no there's no one to to say no to this. There's no one to clarify what's true and what actually is needed. And that's sort of when I stepped out of science because I realized, you know, what was the point of doing science if society was never going to benefit from it, right? If it could oh, never no. the policy level. What, right? Yeah, well, what? that's too, too bad, though, that you got so disenchanted. <laughs> I, well, I, I, still do, right, I, I still get to do the science that I care about as a hobby, uh, but I, I, I realized that wasn't, that it wasn't what to spend my life doing professionally. It's just not not the place to be. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. that's good. That's good. So, how did you end up uh, getting connected then with National Popular Vote? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
first, I'll help you remember the name of it because it is long and ugly name. Because <laughs> uh, I wrote a song about it, and it goes. Oh really? Oh awesome! We want to hear it. Popular vote, interstate compact, hooray! <laughs> I love it. We can do a cheer to that. I like doing cheers. <laughs> yeah, popular vote, interstate. I so, um, and uh, I'll, I'll say more about the compact in a little bit because I want to clarify what it is, why we need it, what it does, what it doesn't do, and there's a lot of myths out there. So, um, but how I got connected was after. Uh, the election in November 2016, um, a bunch of folks had a lot more fire and energy to make change. Mm-hmm. And so some friends got together, uh, this little group called Forward uh, in Chicago where I was living at the time. And we're, we set up like, okay, what are the six top things we care about? What do you care about? What do you care about? We all went around and talked about, okay, what, what's each of us going to try to focus on and bring the rest of us in on? And a couple of us were like, this National Popular Voter Interstate Compact uh, has it really has momentum. It has a lot uh, of good thinking behind it. It has bipartisan nature to it. This is, if we can ch- change this, we can make a big difference. And I, it's a great time because so many people's uh, fire is up. So that was where it started. And this guy, Mike Manship, and I sort of, sort of um, took the lead on trying to forge change with that. Um, and th- of course, we were way behind the curve. There were states that had already passed it. There were activists out there doing amazing work. So we were playing catch-up and trying to find our role in the movement, um, you know, without stepping on toes or breaking, uh, breaking anything along the way. So, yeah, that, that's the story of how I got into it. It's very simple, right? You just step in and connect with the people. Yeah, but can I back up again for a minute? Because I, I yeah. feel like there's a gap that I'd like to fill, especially because... Yeah. So many people are like, you know, not even sure, you know, how to step into these things. So where, where did you meet the people that were in that forward group? The group didn't exist until that moment. And so, oh. Oh, so how did you it, know the people? Right, right. And so um, I happened to be connected to someone who knew someone who was asked if they wanted to come to this meeting. And that was happening a lot in that moment, right? And that's... It was right, everywhere, all over the country. <laughs> they were like, we got to meet. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and so, so people did in, in, you know, living rooms and coffee houses. And we were in a uh, theater. It's just like, okay, where can we find a space to get together and figure out what we can do? Um, and the people who got together, some of whom were friends, but most of whom didn't know each other. They were just all united by a belief that even if they didn't know how to take action, someone needed to take action. And, well, you know, I guess I can. So what can I do? That's all it took. And you didn't, it sounded like the, the each of you didn't have a particular thing that you knew right away. Oh, I want to do this thing. So let me just go connect with that group because this is, this is the thing I'm, I already know I'm passionate about. It sounded like you all had, you know, your half dozen things that you were like, hey, I could, I could, I could plug into any of these as long as I plug into something. Is that, would that, is that yeah, accurate? That, 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 I would say that's accurate. And okay. uh, yeah, I certainly didn't have anything particular coming in and other people, you know, got really fired up about the, 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 in the immigration policy changes that were being made and showing up at O'Hare International Airport and making sure those people got off those planes. Right. And I, mad props to those folks who showed up for that that wasn't particularly my issue. And when I saw how many hundreds of people were already there, I said, oh, okay, they've got this taken care of. And, and they did. Um, and so we support each other in the ways that needed to, to support each other. And I think one of the first actions we took was to go up to the, uh, the Wisconsin state legislature, the capital, uh, the legislature rather. We went there for the day that the electoral college cast its votes, right? They cast their vote in oh, wow. the state capital for each state. And, and we would have gone to Springfield, Illinois, but Madison is actually closer. Anyway, so we went up there to bear witness and to protest and to make our voice heard. And I don't know if any one of us alone would have, you know, bothered going up to some state capital. It was like 20 degrees out. Uh, <laughs> but when I said, you know, I want to go and I think Mike is going and, you know, my friend Emily said, I'll go and do we have a place to stay? And I said, I think my, Dust- my friend Dustin can host us. And, you know, it can take shape. It's just 
connections and, you know, do I know someone who can make this happen with me? It's so much easier if you have someone to go with. Right. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. There's no question that, yeah. So the, the, when all of you got together um, in that group and you talked about the top six and the national popular vote was um, one that several people were interested in, then did you, when you said you support each other, um, so everybody kind of picked their own thing and that you would just back each other up if it wasn't your primary one? Is that how that works or...? That, that was the idea. And so, you know, when Mike and I would come across, you know, oh, this vote is happening tomorrow in Nevada, we would send out um, an alert to this group of folks in what was called Forward and be like, hey, can you help us get the word out? Do you know folks in Nevada? Here's how to find your folks in Nevada on Facebook. Please get them to make a call to their legislator. And that's, that can be powerful. That can be what it takes in a lot of these situations. Right. Even though it wasn't like forward with thousands of people, but you know some of these legislators at the state level never hear from anyone on some issues. So if they even hear from three people in a day, it's a big deal. And those three people are can be caused by you and your right. network of of folks. That's that's the 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 fact of the matter. It is not like national politics for this state level stuff or local level stuff. You can make a huge difference by just activating your personal network of people. It sounds like it. How big is the forward yeah. group now? Oh, I don't know. It, it really, um, you know, 100 people maybe. Awesome. It, it, it existed for a while, and then uh, Mike moved on with his life, and, which took him on the road and wasn't able to be, as strong of a, uh, be in a strong leadership position. And the issues also went to sleep a little bit. The national popular vote, uh, is an, it's an active issue, mostly in the first three to five months of the year. And then it goes to sleep as the state legislatures go to sleep for the year. So for various reasons, right, there's these cycles. And now, I, you know, Forward just has a message on the Facebook group every once in a while. And there's other groups where people have found their home and really taken on that more focused activism, which is, that's great, right? When people transcend uh, a sort of limbo of like, I don't know what to do, I want to do something, and then they find a group um, and that really is taking the actions that mean something to them. I'm, I'm, I've been associated with a group in Chicago called Showing Up for Racial Justice, or SURGE, and that has been sort of my activism home um, in the real world, uh, which has been a, a lot of, um, it's been of great comfort and solace to work with those really good folks in that group and, and the allies that they work with. That's great. So it sounded like this forward group, it was like a nice incubator where people could, mm -hmm. you know, see how to do this, see how to share calls to action effectively with their, their inner, you know, their inner circle, their network of, of people that they know, you know, that know and love them and are going to, you know, pick up the phone for, because they, you know, they ask them this favor. Can you do this? You know, it's important. Yeah, I, you know, at the time, I was just thinking of it as, hey, like when I would put a post on the forward group, I would it would be a call to action. I didn't think to myself, oh, I should model how to do a call to action. But of <laughs> course, it was, it was great to, for folks to have a model of, oh, here, here's how you can do this. And you know, I hope that all those folks, and I know that some of them are, are out there doing that now, which is, you're right, it's an ideal incubator situation. Right, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, so um, I can say more about the compact if you like. We have as much time as you have available. Okay, I just wanted to check in. Um, so, uh, if you're um, if you're interested in having the people's voice be what determines who gets to be president in this country, there are a couple ways to get that done. Um, number one is to literally get rid of the electoral college. The electoral college is that group of uh, um, 538 individuals who actually cast the votes, right, to determine who gets to be president. And those folks can put in anyone's name they want. They're not accountable to anyone. So it's a little bit of a strange situation that we've set up in, in our U.S. Constitution to have this thing called the Electoral College. Uh, if, you, if you don't know, the Electoral College has members from every state. Uh, it is the number, the, the number you have from your state is equal to the number of senators from your state, which is two plus the number of uh, House of Representatives members from your state. Um, so, oh, I didn't uh, realize that that's where the number of votes came from. 
Uh, yeah, it is. So um, it, it all comes together. The only exception is the District of Columbia, since it has no representation in Congress. It just gets three votes sort of in the Electoral College as a sort of a default, and that's a that was an amendment made to the Constitution a while ago. But um, so if we just got rid of the Electoral College and we said the people's votes will determine the president, okay, so w- w- that's one pathway. Uh, I I'm not of the mindset that that is. Um, that's necessarily how we need to get it done. If there's an easier way that gets the job done, I'm interested in it. And that's, that's me as a pragmatist. Uh, I'm also an idealist, but when I see a path that makes sense, I'll, I'll look into it and I'll, I'll kick the tires on it and see what's, what's real. Um, so the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact uh, has a, a different, a different uh, mechanism for accomplishing a lot of this. If you haven't, I don't know how long you know, each of your listeners has been around in this country, but we do not pass constitutional amendments to the U.S. Constitution very often. It is a big deal, and it's hard to get done, and a lot, a lot of lobbying money gets spent to show ads and to convince Congress people not to vote a certain way. Um, it, can, it can be um, a real drag. If you've been watching what's been happening with the Equal Rights Amendment over the past 30 years, Yes, that's how long it's been taking to get all the states on board because of resistance, because of um, politicizing that, from, from my perspective, is without merit. Um, there's, there's a lot of folks on, um, from both the Republican and the Democratic Party and independents who, who are dumbfounded that we can't pass the Equal Rights Amendment to give women equal rights under federal law. But th- that's a side story. The point is an amendment can be a big uh, undertaking, and there's an easier way. As I mentioned, working with state legislatures can be a lot easier than uh, trying to manage federal politics. And the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is a way to accomplish a lot of that at the state level. Uh, And let me explain how that works. The U.S. Constitution gives the power solely to the state legislatures it gave them three powers, in fact, and one of their three uh, plenary, what they're called plenary powers, is that they get to decide how their state's electors are selected, which okay. doesn't seem like much power. But um, as you look into how they could do it, it starts to become, oh, there's, a, there's some real choices here. Many states at the beginning simply had the state legislature appoint the electors, which doesn't represent the voice of the people at all necessarily, just, oh, we think these people are good people. Okay. Um, and then, you know, through the early 19th century, some of the states said, oh, why don't we have the people elect these folks who are going to vote for the president? We'll have, we'll have a popular vote for the electors, and then at least we'll have some sort of democracy in the mix. Um, and then some of the states, uh, starting with uh, Virginia, said, oh, you know how we could really magnify the voice of our state how about if we give all of our state's electoral votes to whoever, let's see, to whichever party wins the popular vote? So instead of being, you know, a representative uh, vote, let's say we had a state that went 60-40, um, under, I think, a reasonable democratic system, that means six of the electors would vote for, for whoever the 60% voted for, and the other four electors would vote for whoever the 40% voted for. But instead, Virginia said, no, nah, we're going to give them all to whoever won 60%, which sort of erases those 40% of Virginia. Right. That becomes, right that, and that's an undemocratic kind of notion. It's a, it's a way that states try to magnify their power, but it's at the expense of often almost half their population. Uh, the, the voice of the people really does not end up being heard. And that has gotten more and more widespread, and now 48 of 50 states use that system of winner-take-all. So that is the reason why if you live in what's called, a, uh, what do they call them, a safe state or a, you know, a solid blue, solid red state, you don't hear much advertising at all for the presidential race after the primaries. It's, it's assumed that that state is going to go 100% for you know, the blue candidate if it's a blue state. And no I one has to worry that. about whether it'll be 60-40 or 80-20 because it doesn't matter. It'll be winner take all. I saw that in the video and just a side plug for the nationalpopularvote.com website because that video is so compelling and it talks, mm-hmm. you know, so much and, and to see the visual um, 
representation of that is just really memorable. So, side note. It, it, yeah, you, you have to. Yeah, um, it's good. To, it's good to try to talk about it. And if your listeners want to try to talk about it with their circle of folks, I do encourage them to use some of these videos and media and websites out there, because saying it in words sometimes doesn't click. But watching a video, oh gosh, I see a mm-hmm. big problem now. Mm-hmm. So, this is also the reason why um, the swing states, like Pennsylvania and Ohio and Florida, end up having such um, uh, such a, a large impact on our national federal policy. Um, and so, for example, why is fracking such a big deal? Well, because Pennsylvania cares about it, and you can win a huge block of votes by winning just barely a majority of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so the interests of Pennsylvania end up controlling more than their fair share of the interests of America. The interests of those uh, swing states end up getting more federal emergency money in between elections than the, than the, uh, the safe states. There's, there's a lot of unfairness here beyond just who becomes president. This is getting in the way of America doing what it needs to do, um, which is not my idea of a good time. I want, to, right. I want to see things run the way that is in the interest of all of us. Right. Oh, so how does the compact work? Um, the compact is an 888-word piece of legislation that gets introduced in a state legislature, whatever the state is. Let's say, uh, let's say it's Virginia, because we've been talking about Virginia. So it gets introduced in the state legislature, and it says that... Uh, Virginia shall appoint as its electors um, the slate of electors of the party, not who wins Virginia's popular vote, but the party who wins the national popular vote. So how does that end up working? Yeah, I'm trying so to... For, let, let's do the extreme case. Let's say all 50 states were, were signed up on the national popular vote interstate compact. What would happen? every state would commit to send the slate of electors of the party who won the national popular vote. And literally every elector in every state would vote for the winner of the national popular vote, thereby right, aligning the national popular vote winner with the electoral college winner. Ah, so uh, in, other words, in other words, they don't, they, don't, they don't just look at their, they wouldn't look at their state results and say, we're going to, you know, allocate it pro rata with, you know, how our state did 60, 40, whatever. They say, we're going to hold our votes until all the popular votes are counted. And once we know who the counted winner was nationally, then we're going to put, it's going to be an all for that person. It will be, Is that what you're uh, saying? I, I, I'm with you almost to the end there. I think you've got it 100%. We will send the slate of electors of the party of the candidate who won uh, the national popular vote. So that's a little different than saying we will commit to vote for that candidate. Remember, the Electoral College can still vote for whoever it wants. All that this compact does is say, which party's slate of electors will we send to that Electoral College? And I didn't know this a while ago, so I'll tell you and your listeners too. Each state has not just one set of electors, Actually, each party within each state has a slate of electors that you vote for, and that is who goes to the Electoral College. And so you can either send the slate of Republican electors, who will most likely vote for the Republican candidate, but you don't know, or you can send the slate of Democratic electors, who will most likely vote for the Democratic candidate, but you don't know. So the compact is not telling anyone who to vote for. It's merely saying, we're going to send this slate. This party's slate gets to go and they will do what we expect them to do, or they will do otherwise. That's why it maintains the Electoral College in only this sense of um, people selected to do this job of wise judgment. And it gets rid of the winner-take-all, which is actually the part that is poisoning our democracy. Right, right, where that, you know, whoever is in the less than 50% um, in that state, all of those votes, those people feel like, well, that didn't matter, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, again, let me see. If, so nationalpopularvote.com is, is a great website that you mentioned to go to, and there's various videos about, like, uh, how that all works, how it fits together. And 
I think the other important point to state is I just gave the case for if all 50 states signed up to the compact, um, which is not the case right now. Only 11 states are signed up on the compact. Um, so what's happening right now? Are those 11 states already giving all their votes to the national popular vote winner? No. There is a provision within the compact that says it does not go into effect until the states signed on to the compact having until they uh, add up to a controlling interest in the national uh, electoral vote. That is to say, when we have 270 votes worth of states on the compact, then no matter what, those 270 votes will control the majority of the electoral college and will determine the winner of the election. Therefore, that is when this compact will go into effect. Uh, we currently stand at 172 electoral votes. We have 98 remaining to go until we get to that point where the compact kicks in. And at that point, all of the states that are signed on to the compact will, are then committed to send all of the electors of the party of the candidate who wins nationally in the popular vote. And so they would swing, it would swing to that candidate, even though these other ones that maybe aren't participating in that way and are still voting all or nothing by state. Is that right? Right, right. So, okay. you know, if there's, two, if there's 270 votes on the compact and 268 not signed on to the compact, then no matter what happened in those 268 other votes, you know, no matter what, the 270 signed on to the compact would still end up controlling the outcome and making oh, sure that the perfect. national popular vote winner wins the election. Okay. But to be clear, that is not just the national popular vote in the states that are signed on to the compact. The national popular vote will be counted nationally, even in states that are not in the compact, to determine what state, uh, which candidate this, the compact-bearing states vote for. So uh, even if your state does not sign on, you still get to be a part of this. As long as you get some other states to sign on, you get the national popular vote in your state, in every state, to count just by getting some of these other states to join. That's why reaching out to your friends in these other states matters for everyone. This is, we're all in this together. Ah, oh, that makes sense. I, I get that. I get that. Mm -hmm. Because if, they're, if you're in a state where, oh my gosh, it's going to take, like, there's no way, like, it's not going to budge, like, they are just <laughs> not going to pass it in their state. But if that person can influence people in another state, then, um, you know, their their vote that seems to, mm -hmm. you know, still be under the old system would um, would would count. I mean, it would ha it would be represented um, yep. more fairly. Yep. That's awesome. It is. Oh my I, God, there's so much also, to learn about it. <laughs> listen, there's a lot of technical stuff and blah, blah, blah. There's a whole book about it. There's a whole website. And I'm always here as a resource. You can find me on Facebook at, at, well, at the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact uh, Facebook page. Um, I moderate that page along with a, a friend, and we make sure to address whatever comes up, whether it's a criticism or a question or, or you know, you know should, is this connected to that? Should we be doing ranked choice voting? Okay, well, let's, let's clear, clarify what this is all about. Um, so you two started that, this was when you um, were in the forward group and you were deciding this is one of the things you're going to focus on and then you decided you were going to create a Facebook page because nobody else nationally had a page like this? On the contrary, there were already so many pages, we knew we didn't need to start a page. We oh. needed to figure out what our job was. Uh, and so... Um, we began trying to connect the folks who were on all these different pages and say, hey, let's all line up and try to do stuff together. Can, you know, who are you? What are you doing? And try to you know, get the sense of the lay of the land. And eventually Jeffrey was like, I think you're great. You should just help me moderate this page and post the content you've been posting on it anyway. So it was by reaching out and trying to make connections uh, that, that you know, I found my home within this world, the national popular vote, uh, and there's other folks who are doing stuff. Um, there's a, a guy named David, David Edward Burke in California who's doing amazing stuff. There's a guy in Chicago with an organization called Making, uh, Make Every Vote Matter who's doing amazing stuff. And now there's a group in Washington, D.C. called Making Every Vote Count that is really starting to, to pull this movement forward. So there's a lot of folks you know, doing a lot more on this than I am. <clears throat> Uh, what I'm excited about is I just moved to St. Louis, and Missouri is a state that is not in the compact, whereas oh. Chicago, Illinois was already on the compact. I 
there was nothing for me to do there. So <laughs> I'm excited to try to make this happen for Missouri. Um, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, as far as, you know, if your listeners are, I don't know if they're mostly in Michigan. I know you're in Michigan. So I thought I would I speak to the case in Michigan a little bit. Really the best candidate states for the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact are states that used to be uh, used to be contentious, used to be swing states, but now are sort of more decidedly blue or more decidedly red. For example, uh, Ohio used to be a big toss-up state, and it's just been getting more and more clearly Republican over the last few presidential elections. Um, similarly, uh, Colorado used to be sort of a toss-up, and now it's pretty clearly it's, it's going to vote Democrat, uh, majority gem Democrat in most of the presidential elections. So those states used to get all this attention and all this you know, federal money and all these visits from the candidates and all this voice in national politics. They're not getting it anymore. The, these are states that are sort of addicted to that, and they want that power back. They don't want to be bystanders and flex. And so those are states that, you know, the, the lobbyists for national popular vote are going after and that, that, you know, we try to find grassroots leaders in. And that's why I connected up with the Michigan Indivisible group. Ah. I must have signed up for 20 or 30 different Facebook groups that day because that was the day that Michigan introduced its national popular vote bill in its state legislature. I said, oh, gosh, I've got to get connected fast. Um, nice. I used to live in Michigan, but I wasn't politically involved at the time, so I, I had to try to find folks right away as soon as I could. Oh, where did you live? I was in Canton and um, Ann Arbor. Oh, sure. I went to school in Ann Arbor, and then uh, I worked in, in Canton for a little while. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> Go blue. <laughs> so... <laughs> Go blue. That's that's a reference to University of Michigan, not the Democrats. I, right. I, listen, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm a progressive. I I believe that we need to move this country in in some directions, but this is not about that for me. This is about yeah. Oh right. I'm sorry. Yes, that was not I, no, intended no, 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 no. to be a partisan. I didn't even think about that. I just I'm so because I went to U of M, um, uh, Dearborn. <laughs> if you're not in Michigan, go blue. Yeah, it's just about the football team. Um, <laughs> This is, I want to just, I want to um, emphasize, this is not a partisan measure. No. This has folks on, on both sides and independents uh, in, in many states voting for it. We just had this pass uh, with bipartisan support in Connecticut. Um, it, it passed a, a Republican-dominated legislature in Oklahoma and another one in Arizona. Um, and it was the Republicans leading the way on this in Michigan. So... Um, you know, whatever your thoughts are on the Constitution or, what, or whether we should change this or what's good for America, I, I encourage you to reach out to your local leadership, um, you know, in your Democratic club, Republican club, or, or whatnot. Find out, you know, what's the real story here um, and what can we do about it locally. I, I don't know the plans for Michigan for this upcoming uh, legislative session. I, I would guess that this bill is going to come back around, and when it does, I would love to see Michigan grassroots ready to take it to the leadership in the state legislature. Uh, I think it has a, a big chance in Michigan and a few other states this year. And if we get this done before 2020, we can have a national popular vote controlled election in 2020. Oh, uh, would be which would be incredible. There's one thing we would have to, we would get to stop worrying about. That would be fantastic. So I just clicked on the link for Michigan under the nationalpopularvote.com website, and it's saying to connect to your Facebook page, the, the one that you um, administer, and then the Twitter page, and then send a letter to the editor of Michigan newspapers. And then, so it doesn't really have a particular group, so it sounds like if someone can connect with, like you said, their local party, clubs or an indivisible group or um, and and stay connected on your Facebook page to to get updates would those be is there any other way that people can plug in like because I'm ready to plug in like I'm not I don't have the time yet to, to take um, you know volunteer with the campaign but I do want to just stay up to date on these if there's a call to action like call your representative or whatever I, I appreciate it and uh Certainly, those are all good avenues. In many places in this country, it's actually the League of Women Voters that is leading the way on this issue. Oh, great. Actions, right? That is a great group um, and very, very clearly nonpartisan. They, they make very clear about what, what this is about for them. Um, and in Michigan, I, you know, I don't know 
which chapter is taking up the leadership on this. What I do know is there are materials available through the League of Women Voters from the Illinois chapters uh, that allow you to give a presentation that's already put together. You, you can just read a script and present at your local library or whatever makes sense. Um, and I'm happy to you know, support you in that, make sure you feel confident about it. But it's all yours, and you can take it and run with it, which I think is, i got to give it to the League of Women Voters for doing that. That's a huge boost to local grassroots folks. So I, that's, that's another, another way to, to go. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, we are, of course, looking for someone in Michigan who wants to be this point person on this issue. And if you want to, to take that leap or just check it out, of course we would welcome you to do that. <laughs> uh, or, you know, maybe there could be a couple folks who sort of do it as a team, whatever makes sense. With, um, in the absence of that, I never feel good about saying, like, oh, I know what's best for Michigan. I'm going to lead from here in St. Louis. I think it's inappropriate and it's not in the interest of the state or the folks that we're trying to be in allyship with. We need someone on the ground as the leader. Um, so that's, that's just out there. I'll put that out there if you, if you feel like leading on this or you want to talk about it. Fine. Yeah, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer up is that the people, there are lots of other volunteers who uh, volunteered with Voters Not Politicians uh, and this was going to be their next thing as well. And, you know, mm -hmm. some of them have more time. So, and I'm on that Facebook network with that site. So if you can send me something, just, you know, information about like it, like a call for like if people are interested in the getting involved in this and maybe being a lead or being part of a team that's the lead, the point people, here's who to contact. Um, and I can get that out to, to that group of individuals because, you know, we're fired up. I mean, we may we may be busy. We're waiting to hear um, a piece of legislature pass the lame duck um, that um, seriously restricts our right to petition. And so yeah. we're yeah. working on, um, they're going to decide by tomorrow if we're going to do a veto um, referendum um, campaign. So wow. if we do, we're going to be tied up for the next two months with that. But if, if yep. which I hope, we are, um, but in the meantime, but in in the meantime, there may be people yeah. who are still ready to switch over to to this other cause. You know, wherever people's passions are, that's where I want them to go. So definitely send me that information. Let me let me um, reach out to that network with your ask for that. I definitely will, and um, it's been great to see. For example, in Connecticut, they passed national popular vote last year. That group of folks is still fired up, so now they're working on ranked choice voting, which is. Isn't That's another episode, right? Different, a different demo of a voting reform that will make a huge difference in making sure people's voice is heard. And that's so great to have that continuity of, like, we're still together. We still care about stuff. Let's keep going. And yeah. they're doing great. Yeah. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Well, you've spent so much time with me. I could, you know, we could probably talk for hours and hours because you have such a wealth of information and and you're at the leadership level you know I teach people these different levels of participation I teach them mm -hmm. um, the first level is protect yourself with self-care the next level is nurture yourself with like-minded people which is what you said you know connect with people that are and that's how you did it you know you connected with like-minded people the third is grow with people you know which is what you talked about which is hey let you know family and friends hey is anybody know anybody in the state that could do you know make this phone call and then there's the fourth level is multiply with your leadership which is you know when somebody's built up their confidence they know more about it like you you know you stepped up you created this you know you were active in these other groups and they looked and said hey you know you're already acting in a leadership role let's just put you there anyway for the Facebook page and then the last level leadership I call champion your cause to the public which you you are in that as well because you you can speak to this topic to critics and supporters alike you are well versed on it and so I just that that's what I teach people is how to plug in wherever they're at. And so um, it's nice to um, connect with other people that you may need somebody at those higher levels of you know leadership and champions. Um, and so we may have some people for you. Hey, it, everyone needs someone at those levels to pull them up. We all pull each other up. And um, I I just want to give you credit for making that first level self care. That's something that I, I also 
a really um, I, I gave it a whole session on that last uh, yeah last year to a, folk, a group of, of yoga teachers who were like we feel exhausted by this politics stuff we're we're getting all um, you know screwed up in our bodies because our our self care is going <laughs> down the drain <laughs> and how do we balance that the all giving nature of activism with the self care we need so <clears throat> I want to honor that that's where you put that first level that's that's right on thanks so much yeah absolutely because after um the November election, I woke up that next day and I said, I don't want to be angry for the next four years. So I decided uh, yeah. that I would that I would choose that the advocacy is, is the way that I approach everything. Um, nothing wrong with activism and everyone has different definitions because I've asked a lot of people and, you know, the dictionary says one thing, but, you know, people's perception of an activist versus an advocate yeah. is yep. different. Yep. But for me, it's the difference of, I do things that are expansive and positive and this is what I want it to look like and that is how I define advocacy and activism Beautiful. is I am against this which is really I'm, I practice Reiki and it's, it's very energetically restrictive um, and it closes uh -huh. up your chakras and everything and so um, I just that's why I have to teach people how to be advocates and focus on what do you want to have happen because all of the people that I know that approach it from an activist perspective of I'm against this, I want to stop this, same thing as your yoga instructors. They were exhausted at the end of this year and they had to step away and recharge. And I stay fired up all the time because I focus on self-care and I focus on expansiveness. And it really, that's what, what I teach people. So I'm going to send you, I'm um, working on a webinar right now, um, a free webinar um, on uh, some of these topics and I should have that um, ready like early next week. So I'm going to send you um, the information in case in case you've got an audience that can benefit from this information. Super. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate that. And um, I just want to say keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I appreciate the chance to get to talk to everyone today. And um, I, I just I think we need more people coming at it from where you're coming at it from. So thank you for all the things that you do. Thank you, Asa. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Bye.